Good morning, Harvest. Why don't you go ahead and uh, grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 12. Listen, it is, uh, it's a blessing to be here. Uh, greetings from Muskoka. Uh, some of you I, I know because you, you come on vacation to Muskoka, so you're kind of like uh, uh, my summer people, right? And so glad to, to, to meet old friends, glad to meet you guys. Here's something that uh, I don't need to say probably, but I want to say it anyway. You guys have a phenomenal pastor. I, I, I know you love Ian. I got to tell you, man, so do I. Um, whenever there's a senior pastor's get-together, he is definitely one of the pastors that I want to connect with. Uh, both me and my wife, we just love hanging out with Ian and Sarah and just, just blessed by him. If Here's something that I'll say about Ian is, is his love for God's Word. If I'm struggling with a text and I'm like preaching the next week, Ian's one of the guys I'm going to call. Hey, Ian, what do I do with this text, man? How do I break this down? He is just such a scholar of God's Word, but not just a, a theological egghead, right? Like he, he loves the Word and applies the Word and lives the Word. I know you guys are blessed to have him. I'm glad he's gone because I get to be here, but uh, I know you guys are looking forward to when he comes back. Um, hey, let, let me start this morning with this. Let, let me ask you a question, just a little bit of honesty in church. You raise your hand to this question. Uh, raise your hand if, if you would say, you know what, I, I, I've struggled with worry, man. I worry sometimes. There's things I'm anxious. Just if, if that's you, if you're like, yeah, there are things I worry about. There are things, I, pretty much every hand, those who aren't up because you struggle with lying. Like I get that, right? It just worry is something that, that a lot of us would, there'd be times in our life where there are things we're worried about, things we're anxious about. It's, it's what some would call an acceptable sin. Just, just so we're, we're okay with it. Like, wait a minute, sin? What, you said sin. Worries that Jesus says right here in the text, right away in Luke 12, verse 22. And he says to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. Philippians says the same thing. Philippians 4, it says, it says be anxious for nothing. It's, it's this acceptable sin. It's a sin that we go, yeah, you know what, I, I struggle with worry. Like, you'd raise your hand in church without, if, if I got up here and said, hey, let me start with the question, how many of you hands raised, man, you struggle with lust, you, you, you steal from your workplace, you, you lie all the time, you're, you're not faithful in relationships. People aren't going to raise their hands so quick with that, but we, we'll be able to say, you know what, yeah, it's something that's common to us. Most of us do it. We, we worry. We, we have fear. We have anxiousness. It's, it's kind of normal for the human experience. But what we're going to read this morning from God's word is God saying, but this is not how I intend you to live. I mean, something so common for us and, and something that can be difficult for many. In fact, for some of you here this morning, this anxiousness and anxiety, is, it's devastating in your life. But, but listen, it's not the way God intends his followers to live. So, so how do we, if, if you're a Christ follower this morning, how do we live in a world that's, that's filled with worry and fear and brokenness and sin and, and trouble? How, how do we live in a way that those looking from the outside, looking in on our lives as Christ followers, how do we live in a way that they would look in your life and say, man, I see you have the same fears I've got. You have the same struggles and pain in your life, but man, you have a joy. You have peace in the midst of your pain. I mean, what's it look like to live that way? I mean, we've already hands raised. We've, we've kind of discovered, like, yeah, for sure, anxiety and worry is something that, that is so common among us. And it's a sin that's common among us. I mean, that alone should right away make us so aware of our desperate need for a Savior. But that's our hope that we're going to find this morning. Our hope is this, that, that as we jump in this morning, our hope is that Jesus loves sinners, that, that, that Jesus died for sinners, that Jesus transforms sinners, that Jesus loves anxious people. That he redeems anxious people. 
And, and those who he redeems, he transforms. And so, so he can transform our hearts. And in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of the things we worry about, we can have a life of hope and joy. Before we dig into the text this morning, let me just pray for us before we jump in. Heavenly Father, I just pray that even right now, God, as we begin to, to hear your word, Father, I pray that, that what you promise about your word, that it, it doesn't return empty. God, that this morning the, the truth of that would be so evident. God, as we come in here this morning, each of us with burdens and, and worries and fears and, and sin and struggle and shame, God, I pray, I pray that we'd meet you this morning, that you would, you would transform us this morning. Father, for those who have burdens that, that are unbearable this morning, God, that this morning would be a, a time where, where your spirit does a work. God, where burdens are lifted. Father, where there's sin and, and brokenness, God, that we, we would come before the cross and, and see our hope in, in, a, in a time of repentance, come, come to experience forgiveness and grace, and God, to turn towards obedience and leaning into you. And God, we would be changed this morning, Lord. Transform us by your spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Get your Bibles open to Luke 12. We're going to be starting in verse 22. Let, let me read through the text for us this morning all the way to verse 34. It says this. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body, what, what you'll put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They, they neither sow nor reap. They, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you who are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And do not seek what you're to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As we unpack this this morning, we're, we're going to look at, hey, what does Jesus have to say about our fear and our worry and our anxiety? Here's our first point this morning. If you're taking notes, it's this. I have good reasons to be anxious. I have good reasons to be anxious. I mean, I mean if you think about it, if you think about it there, there are good reasons to worry. I, I'm not going to stand up here and say, hey, don't worry, man. There are no reasons to worry. I mean, there are things in our world right now, from volcanoes to earthquakes to, to threats of war to threats of terrorism to political instability to job insecurity, financial struggles, parenting worries, health concerns, relationship problems, uncertain futures. Like, thanks for coming from Muskoka to really encourage us, Pastor Kai. I appreciate this. This is good. We're the ones without a cottage to go to. Why are you bringing this heavy on us, right? L listen, here's what I'm saying. I don't want to get up here and you to hear me say that there's nothing to worry about. 
I mean, he, here in Luke, as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he's talking to a poor people. He's talking to people without health care, with, with limited options for wealth accumulation. I mean, if you think about it, their lives completely dependent on weather. I mean, it's been a dry summer. The worst thing to happen to me, because it hasn't rained for a month, is that my lawn is yellow. For these guys, if, if a drought hits, they don't eat, they die. I mean, there are things to worry about. It's, it's why unpacking a message on, on fear and worry and anxiety is so good because it's one of these Sundays where I've got confidence, even coming in as a guest speaker, I've got confidence knowing that this is something that many of us, if not all of us, can relate to. Now, I don't know many of you, but I know this about all of you. You worry. You know this about me. If you don't even know me, you know this, that I worry. We, we all battle with this worry and anxiety. I mean, it starts young, doesn't it? I mean, as a kid, you already start to worry about school and friends and family. I mean, you, you get older and now your worry about school even grows. Now you're worried, man, will I have good enough grades to get into the, the university or college or work that I want to get into? You can be bombarded at that, that time with, with anxiety about, about who you are and what people think about you. And, and then you get into the workforce and, and, and worry continues. Man, will I be able to find a job that pays enough? Will I, will I ever be able to afford a home? Will, will I find a spouse? Can we afford to have kids? Will my health be okay? Will, will, I, will I even be able to find a job? What about my kids? Are, are they going to grow up okay? Will I, will I be a good parent? How, how will they be? And then, then you hit retirement and you're, you're still full of worry, right? Do I have enough money to retire well? And now you're worried about kids and grandkids and your health. Now, I don't know about you, but even when life is going smooth and well and good, there can be this low hum of anxiety and worry that can still be felt in my heart and my mind. There's always something to worry about. My question for you this morning is what, what fear grabs a hold of? What fear, what worry, what anxiousness controls your heart? I mean, think about it. Think, like, like really practically think about it. What, what's that one thing that you worry about or, or two things or a dozen things? What are those things you say, yeah, this is it, man. This is the thing that can drive my heart. This is the thing that can overtake my mind. What do you worry about? Is it, do I have enough money? Do I have any real friends? Like, do people love me? Is, is it a worry about, man, am I going to be able to be promoted or, or move up or, or get that position or that role? Or, or maybe your worry is, will I ever find a soulmate? And, and if I do find one, will, will they be faithful to me? Maybe your worry is, will, will, we, will I ever be able to have kids? If, if I have kids, how will they turn out? What are my kids going to be like as they grow up? Or, or maybe you're worried about your health or maybe about identity and image. Who am I really? And I mean, what is it? What's you, what is it that your mind and your heart fear? I mean, Jesus has this to say about fear. In verse 32, you hear him say it. He says, fear not, little flock. He says, fear not. In fact, in, in all of Scripture, it's, it's the most frequently expressed command in all of the Bible. Fear not. The one that's spoken the most. Fear not. You've you got to think about what that means. That the Bible, written over thousands of years by, by about 40 different authors from all different walks of life, different cultures, different countries, different time frames, and yet all the way through you see this common command, fear not. This consistency that fear can take control of our hearts. 
Now, before we unpack these verses, let's just talk a bit about what fear is before we talk about where it comes from. When I, when I say fear, what is fear? I think there's, there's three kind of big categories that fear falls into. We either fear that we're not going to get what we want. Here's the thing I want. I know it's good for me. I wish I could have it, and I fear that I'm not going to get it. That, that's one kind of fear. We can fear that when we get that thing, we're going to lose it. So I'm fear, I'm, I fear I'm going to lose the thing that I really love, and that causes fear. Or, or the third category, I'm going to get something that I don't want. I, mean, I don't want this to happen to me, and, and I've got fear that, that this might come. And, and here's where all those categories of fear point to. It reveals what we value. It shows what we love. It, it shows what our priorities are, what the longings of our heart really are. Why? Because you only fear losing the thing that you truly love. You only fear getting what you, you hate. And, and so fear is great because it starts to reveal what's important to us, what's primary to us. And so the question we need to ask ourselves in those moments of fear and worry is, what am I worrying about? I mean, why am I anxious about this? Why am I obsessing about this? Why do I brood here? Why do I get preoccupied? Why do I have these panic attacks or, or whatever form your worry or, or anxiousness takes? I mean, what's going on underneath it? In fact, let, let's see here what Jesus says about where our worry comes from. It's interesting when, when you ask that question, where does my fear and worry come from? It's not actually the thing. You're like, well, my fear is that thing that I fear. And, and that'd be the easy answer. But Jesus actually turns a light on underneath that fear and says, no, there's something deeper going on here. It's something about what you, what you love. There's something about the drive of your life, what you value. In fact, he uses the word treasure. He says these things that you treasure in your heart, these things you're going after, they're things that you treasure, that you build your life on, that you love. And, and I mean, we can put our hope, our treasure in things like money or health or certain friendships or the perfect marriage, the perfect family, how we do in business or sports, how our, how our kids are going to turn out. And, and listen, it's where you put your hope. That treasure outside of Christ is vulnerable. Because whenever that, that, that precious thing is touched, whenever that thing is grabbed a hold of, if you put your hope in that, fear comes in. So, so where's the first place our fear and anxious comes from? It comes from a faulty foundation. I mean, Jesus is saying, be careful what you put your hope in. Be careful where you, you store up your treasure. Be careful that you don't put your hope and your treasure in something where moths and rust and thieves can take it away. Because if that's where your hope is, if that's where your treasure is, it's a faulty hope, a faulty foundation. And Because and, whenever that stuff that's precious to you, your, your family, your friends, your, your image, your reputation, your stuff, whenever it's threatened, you're going to be gripped by fear and anxiety. It's a faulty foundation that brings fear, brings anxiousness. Verse 25 gives another clue. Look at verse 25. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Anxiety also comes from a false sense of control. The, the original language there where it says add an hour to your life, it actually says can add a, a cubit span to your life. A cubit would be the distance from your elbow to your fingertips. And so if you think of your life as laid out as a, as a, as a, a line of measurement, Jesus is saying, man, I mean, if your whole life is laid before you, you can't even add this distance here. You can't even do that simple thing. 
Worries this illusion that we actually have control of things. That worries this illusion that I'm the king of my life. I can control these things. Man, if, if I just get my retirement right, life will be good. I mean, if, if my parents were just better parents, then things would be so much better. If, if only I had a better job, man, my life would look so much different. If only my spouse would change, man, then my marriage would be great. If, if my diet was improved, if I, if I ate in this particular way, man, I'll never get sick. If, if, if we could only figure out the right parenting techniques, if we listen to the right blogs, read the right books, man, our kids will be perfect. Worry assumes this, this, this possibility of control over what's uncontrollable. And we live in this illusion of, I can control this, I can take care of this, and, and because we can't, because we're grabbing all the things that we can't, we start to grasp at everything. We, we try to control every situation. Everything that we have that we're worried about, we enter into this control thing. And listen, control and anxiety are just opposite sides of the same coin. We want to control something because why? We, we, we see that maybe God's not a good king. We don't see that he's the good king who wants to give us the kingdom. And so, so we don't trust God's going to take care of it. So I'm going to provide. I'm going to protect. I'm going to take care of. I'm going to have the ownership of. But since we really can't have those things, we worry about it. This false sense of control. Jesus gives us another handle to put on our anxiety. And and he says in this text again, look at verse the end of verse 28. He calls out and says, Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Anxiety comes from a weak faith. I say a weak faith, it's not no faith, because verse 22, it says, and he said to his disciples, he's talking to Christ followers. So if you're here this morning and you know Christ, he's talking to you. He says, oh, you have little faith. It's, it's not no faith, it's a weak faith. It's, it's like a, a flashlight with dying batteries. Or if you're under 25, flashlights are what we use before cell phones, okay? They had batteries, you put them in, they were really cool. You turn them on and light happens, right? But the, if the batteries start to go weak, you, you, you shake it, you hit it, you try to get it to go and it flickers a bit. That's what Jesus is talking about. You have a, a weak faith. It's dying out. You're losing sight of God. Because what we want, what we worry about is the only thing we see. What we value becomes so close to us that that's all I see. I see this thing that I'm so fearful of or worried I'm going to lose. It's so close to my heart, so close to my life that that's the only thing I see. And I don't see God the Father. I love that Jesus unpacks this for us. I love that he talks about worry and anxiety. I I love it because here's the thing. Jesus doesn't come down and speak so high and mighty looking on us like you goofy humans. How could you be so worried about things? Look at verse 32. He says, fear not, little flock. Don't read that as fear not, puny humans. Right? Of course I'm puny. That's why I'm fearful, Jesus. No, when, when he says little flock, it's this tender way of, of a shepherd saying, you're a small enough flock. I know all your names. I know your fears. I know your heart longings. I know you deeply and personally. And he's saying, listen, the, the father is not reluctant. He's not hesitant. He's not stingy to give you his kingdom, he says. 
Now we could say, oh, that's easy for Jesus to say. Jesus in heaven being worshipped by angels telling us not to worry here. Like, do, you, do you know what it's like to live on earth in a broken, fallen world with, with people surrounding you who you can't depend on? Listen, listen, Jesus knows. Jesus, God the Son, came to our earth, broke into our history to live as the God-man here so that what? In Hebrews it says he can sympathize with our struggles. He gets it. He, he feels it. He understands it. So when he's talking about fear and anxiety, Jesus gets it. Right here in Luke 12, he's on his way to the cross to atone for the sin of the world, to endure the wrath of the Father. So when he says fear not, he understands fear. He knows what it's like to suffer physically. He understands what it's like to die. Jesus knows what it's like to have people slander you. He, he knows what it's like to have a family that, that disowns you or abandons you or thinks you're crazy. He's no, he knows what it's like to have friends that he, you can't depend on. When, when Jesus was in the garden, when he needed his friends the most, they were asleep. They had abandoned him. He knows what it's like to have somebody sabotage their own life, to steal from you to betray you, to kill themselves. Jesus knows what, it, what it's like to be single and alone. And here at this point in Luke 12, he's broke, he's homeless, he's heading to the cross. I mean, Jesus is not another religious guy living a cushy life, buying a private jet and telling you, hey, don't worry about life. He, he's not giving these, these platitudes of religious living that he himself doesn't need to live by. When he says, fear not, he understands. He's not giving us something to do. He's saying there's a better way to live. And he takes apart our worry. He takes apart, here's what's gripping your heart. This is why you're, you're worried. I love this. He goes further than that. He says there's a better way to live. If you're taking notes this morning, here's our second point. Yeah, I have good reasons to worry, but I have better reasons to trust. I love, I love it when Jesus breaks down our hearts and opens it up and reveals sin. He doesn't just do it and stop there. He's doing it because he wants to take us to a better place. He's not just saying, here's what's wrong with you. He's saying, but, but here's what I can redeem. Here's what can be transformed. We see all the reasons, man. Here are the reasons why I would worry. But Jesus now, he's going to give us better reasons to trust. True and certain reasons piled up on top of each other. I mean, let's look at them. Look at verse 23. It says, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. The first reason why I can trust is this, life's more than my worries. There's, there's so much more to you than those things you worry about whether you have or you don't have. I mean, you can look at some people, maybe you look at somebody maybe in their 20s and you can look at them and go, man, and somebody who's putting their, their hope in their looks, that, that person who's, who's always looking for the perfect selfie, you gotta take it from an upward angle because it just makes you gotta pout your lips a little bit and, and, and right, it's all about, man, I just, I look so beautiful and, and when you're older, you look at that person, you go, what a faulty foundation, man, you are going to get wrinkly and saggy, like it's coming, right? I mean, our bodies wear out, right? I mean, I, I'm 46, so I hate watching sports for this reason. Because they talk about the 35-year-old as being over the hill. Oh, he's done, man. He's 35. He's past his prime. What? Like, we know that it's a faulty foundation, right? Life's more than our bodies, though. 
If you live for money, you're banking on sand. The house will need repairs. That car will break down. Jesus is saying your life's more than this stuff. There are better things to give your life to. There's something more important going on in your life than just the stuff you worry about. I mean, go through your worry list. Go, go through those fears and those worries one by one. Just think about those things you worry about. And Jesus is promising us, hey, whatever that is on that list, your life's more than that. Secondly, Jesus says this, you have a better reason to trust because God cares for you. God cares for you. Look at verse 24. He says, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? I mean, Jesus picks something so common. It's like he's teaching. He goes, hey, hey, like look at those birds over there. They're not, trying, they're not worried. I mean, those ravens aren't trying to figure out how do we build little raven tractors that we can work with our clawed feet and we can plant rows of corn. We gotta think of how to open up Raven 7-Eleven so we can be sure that we can get food when we need. No, he says they're not doing any of that. Why? Because God feeds them. Here's the amazing part of what Jesus just said there. He picked a raven, a crow, which to a Jewish listener was an unclean bird. He took one of the lowliest animals he could to make his point. He says, if God cares for that scavenger, loud, dirty, pesky crow, how much more valuable are you to him than that bird? I mean, God feeds the bird, even a trash bird like a crow, and you matter so much more to God. I mean, that, that's a promise we can grab a hold of and say, you know what, that brings me hope. But then Jesus takes it even further. Look at verse 27. He says, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you? So he's pointing to these flowers just growing in the grass. They haven't been planted by anybody, they just came up and he's saying, look at those flowers. They don't have flower fashion shows. They're not worried about how they look. They're, the lilies aren't going, does this petal make my butt look big? Right? They're not, they're not doing that, right? But, but he says they're more beautiful than the richest man in the Old Testament. I love that because he's taking it up a level there. What he's saying is God doesn't just take care of your basic needs like the crow. No, he makes you more beautiful than Solomon. How? Because when you put your faith in Christ, Scripture says you're clothed in Christ's righteousness. He completely covers your sin and your shame. I mean, that promise is so much more than just, hey, God will take care of you. Jesus is saying God will clothe you in his radiant glory. He's saying, well, why are you worried about your health? I'm going to raise you from the dead. I've given you eternal life. Why are you worried about a few dollars? I'll give you the whole earth as your inheritance. Why are you worried if, if some people don't like you? He says, you're an adopted child of the king and I've given you my whole kingdom. You hear what he's saying? He's not saying, hey, you're tough. You can make it. There's nothing to fear. But what he's saying is this, hey, hey, little flock, little lambs, you have father who happens to be the king of the universe, the king of kings, you're going to be all right. We can fear not when we have this proper view of who God is. And when we see who God is as the one who cares for us, it changes everything. 
And Jesus is saying, shift your focus from your fears and focus on who God is. The king of the universe who, who loves you, who will take care of you, who's generous, who's good. I mean, that changes everything. Now, now sandwiched between these two promises, that life's more than your worries, that, that, that God cares for me, there's also this, worrying is pointless. We've already talked about this, but look again at verse 25. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? You can't even do the little thing. Why are you worried about anything else? You can't even do the small things. You can't add a minute to your life. What he's saying is, hey, there's some stuff that's out of your control. God's the one who's king. God's the one who's sovereign. He's in total control. And when we worry, what we're saying is, God, I want the control because I don't trust you as a sovereign king. I want to run things. I mean, it's, it's not wrong to, to plan and to prepare for the future. But, but if you're trying to control it and, and you're, you're fearful about it, you're anxious about it, what's happening is you're placing yourself in the position of king. And that, that place of king is not our place to be. It's reserved for one and one only, the king of kings. You start to think about it. What are you worried about right now that, that really is in the hand of God? Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a relationship and you've done all you can in it to reconcile, to pray, to care. Maybe financially you, you've worked hard and, and, and you've been faithful but still struggling. Maybe it's a prodigal child and you, you've discipled well and cared well and prayed well and loved well. And, and Jesus is saying, listen, if it's out of your hands, don't be fearful, just be faithful. See that God's the one in control. Life's more than my worries. God cares for me. It's pointless to worry. Here's a fourth promise Jesus gives. I have a greater priority. I have a greater priority. Look at verse 29. It says, do not seek where you're to eat and drink, nor be worried for all the nations of the world. He says, everybody else who doesn't know the Father seeks after these things, and your Father knows you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Listen, listen, the whole world goes after these horizontal things. You don't have to worry about those things. Live for the greater. Live for the eternal. Live for what really matters. I mean, if you think about it, where God has you right now, where you're living, you didn't, you didn't just choose to live where you live because it's a good job and a good place to live, but, but to recognize the eternal purpose of where God has you. That you are where you are because God's placed you here on mission for him for eternal purposes, for lives to be transformed, to go from death to life. That's why God's got you here. That's why he's got you in the job he has you in. It's why you're in the school you're in. It's why you're in the play group you're in. It's why you're in the neighborhood you're in. Why? Because you're the missionary there for eternal purposes. Because you can reach those people better than your pastors can. Because you know them. Because you can be in life on life kind of stuff with them. You, you can have them into your home. You can share the good news of Jesus. There's, there's something greater to work for, to live for. God made us and saved us so that our lives would have eternal purpose to them. I mean, so much better than the stuff we normally worry about, isn't it? The stuff we define our lives by. Yeah, we have temporal needs. We, we need to work and save and eat and pay bills and all of that stuff to provide for our future. But Jesus is saying, your father knows you need these. What he's asking is, what do you live for? 
What are you about? What are you going to value? What are you going to love? What are you going to prioritize? And, and instead of worrying, he says, seek the kingdom first. And, and when you do that, when you start to seek the kingdom first and you see the greater priority you have in your life, what happens? Well, the next few verses happen. You start to sell your possessions and give to the needy and you provide an eternal treasure. Why? Because you see, man, I've got an eternal hope. I've got an eternal reward. I, I can trust my present and my future into the hands of the King of Kings and the God who loves me. Because here's what worry really is. T Tim Keller, I just read this quote a couple weeks ago. Tim Keller said this, worry is not believing God's going to get it right. That's what worry is. I don't believe God's going to get this right. And so we worry. Bitterness is believing God got it wrong. Now you see that? So worry is, I don't think God's going to get it right. We get bitter when we think God's got it wrong. Really what's going on is, man, I don't trust God. But Jesus says, listen, a greater reason not to worry is I have a greater father. I have a greater father. I mean, this is where all the seeking leads. Seeking first the kingdom leads us to see, man, I have a great father, greater than my worry. His love and care for me is so much more than what I fear. In fact, I love in the, in the gospels, there's another time where Jesus uses this phrase, oh, you have little faith. Do you remember, remember when Peter was walking out on the water? Matthew 14 talks about it. Jesus tells the disciples, hey, hey, get in the boat, go across the Sea of Galilee, I'll meet you on the other side. So they hop into their boat, they start across the Sea of Galilee, and you know the story, right? A storm comes in, this huge storm. They think they're going to die. They're pressing against the wind. Jesus sees them from afar off. He's up praying in a mountainside, so he comes down the mountain, starts walking out on the water. Now in the text, it says he was going to walk past them. I don't know why. Like, is he like, hey, what's up, guys? Just going for a walk? But he doesn't. He, he actually, as he's walking by, they see him, and they start to think it's a ghost, so they're freaked out about it. And then one of the disciples says, that's not a ghost, that's Jesus. And so he call, they call out to him. Peter says, hey, Jesus, if that's really you, call me out onto the water. And Jesus says, it's me, come on out, Peter. Imagine how much faith it took for Peter to hop out of that boat into the storm. In that moment, what he's saying is, Jesus, if, if that's really you, if you're really real, I'm going to trust my life to you. I mean, isn't that the moment when you gave your life to Christ? Isn't it the same thing? That moment when you decided to follow Christ, when, when you brought your sin to the cross, said, this is all I've got, and Jesus says, that's great, I'll take your sin, I give you my righteousness. At that moment, what you were saying in that moment was, Jesus, I trust you with my life. If you're real, I'm, I'm going to turn from living for me and living for my thing, and I'm going to follow you with everything I've got. I mean, how, how much did you need Jesus in that moment? How much did Peter need Jesus when he said, if it's really you, call me out? How much faith did he need to leap out of that boat? Because here's the thing. This is not the story where Jesus says, peace, be still. And the storm stops. No, the storm is raging on as Peter jumps out of this boat to walk out to Jesus. He leaps out. Huge need of Jesus. I mean, I'm picturing the other disciples in the boat high-fiving each other. Would you not be doing that? Check out Peter. That is awesome. Right? They didn't go. Peter went. Steps out on the water, and what happens? As soon as he gets out on the water, looking to Christ, Christ's the one who's called him out. As soon as he steps out, he looks around at the things that he has good reason to worry about. There's a storm. 
There's ways people don't walk on water. And as soon as he starts to doubt and he starts to look at the things he's worried about, what happens? He starts to sink. He doubts the call of Jesus. He doubts the promise of Jesus. He starts to sink. And in that moment as he's sinking, he cries out, Lord, save me. And and Jesus turns to Peter as he's sinking. And Jesus says, swim harder, Peter. Right? He didn't say that. Hey, Peter, what's this? Lord, save me. What a lame prayer. You need to quote scripture. You need to have a poem in your prayer. You need to speak in tongues. I'm not, no, what does it say? In Matthew 14, it says, when Jesus cried out, Lord, save me, it says, immediately, Jesus reached out to pull Peter up, to bring him into the boat. And then what did he say? He said, why did you fear? Oh, you have little faith. Wait a minute, Peter had huge faith to jump out of the boat, to to respond to Christ's call to come, but he he needed the same huge faith to keep walking in obedience towards Christ. Now, Now, why did he sink? He sank because he took his eyes off of Jesus. He took his eyes off of where his faith needed to be placed, to, of where his foundation under him really was, and he started to look at the storm. He started to look horizontally. He stopped looking at Jesus. And so often we stop looking to the gospel and we start looking at our sin. We look at our past and our, and our shame. We, we look at the things around us that cause us fear. But instead of worrying, instead of looking inward or or backwards or all around us, listen, this morning, see Jesus. I mean, look upward. See his care. See his love. See his protection. See his provision. I mean, here's the cold hard truth. When we live in anxiousness, often we don't experience God's care because we'd rather stay in our worry than run to him. Because we start to try to swim harder. We grasp a hold of anything we can get a hold of to stop the sinking. We, we grab a hold of people to feel secure. We grab a hold of our stuff. We grab a hold of security and reputation and control. And as we reach out to grab these things, they don't provide for us. I would say this, if you're grabbing a hold of relationships, you're bringing them down with you. You're putting a weight on them their soul was never meant to bear. They're not to be your foundation. Our hope, our hope is in in the gospel that God the Father, if you're a follower of Christ, if you placed your hope in him, your hope is this, that he's declared you righteous. That you are an accepted child of God. No, No matter what else you think, no matter what else you believe about yourself, no matter what else you've been taught or told, who you are in Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, is solid biblical truth. You gotta think about when Peter jumped out of the boat, he wasn't so much walking on the water, he was walking on the promises of God. He was standing on the character of Jesus Christ. When he took his eyes off of those two things, the promise and the character of God, he began to sink. And and for us, it's the same thing. When when we stumble into sin, into worry, into fear, we have to stop and look, man, what's underneath me? What am I putting my hope in? What am I standing on? What am I looking for my my hope and my savior? Is it my family? Is it my wealth? Is it my reputation? Is it my stuff? Listen, we have to take our eyes off of those and start to put our eyes, put our hope and our trust back on Christ. 
mean, the story of Peter walking in the water is not for us to see how awesome Peter is, but for us to be reminded of how much we can fully trust our Savior. I mean, think about how much more we know than, than Peter. On this side of the cross, how much we know about Christ, that, that Jesus didn't just step into the storm, he stepped into and embraced the storm of God's wrath for us. He didn't just walk on top of waves, but in, in his death and resurrection, he conquered sin and death. He, he didn't just lift us up on top of the waves. No, he filled us with the power of resurrection life. And, and so if all of that is true, if that gospel is true over me, then I know that he'll help me in my fear today. If Jesus reached out to you, Scripture says, while you were his enemy, how much more so when you call out, Lord, save me, will he reach out to you as his child? And if you're sinking this morning, I would encourage you this, put your eyes back on the things you were looking at when you first jumped out of the boat. When you jumped and you said, Jesus, you're trustworthy. And, and maybe you've taken some, some huge steps of faith as a Christ follower and, and now things are hard. Listen, it doesn't mean that Jesus has abandoned you. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have jumped out in obedience. Listen, trust him in the waves. See him again. Hear him again. Take that next step out onto the water. I mean, listen, listen. This is the answer in our worry. What does the gospel say about where you are right now? Jesus, earlier on in Luke, he talks about ways of building our lives. He says you can build your life on the sand or you can build your life on the rock. Again, he's talking about what's underneath you. And here's the beauty of, of trials and storms in our life. Here's what they reveal. They reveal what we're standing on. Because in that story of the one who builds on the rock, on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ and the gospel, versus the one who's packing everything else under them, he says storms come for both. Or if you're a Christ follower, storms will come. But what do they do? They start to wash away under our feet and start to go, what am I actually standing on? When fear and worry comes, when trials come and we're wrecked by them, we need to look underneath. What am I standing on? Where's my hope? Because oftentimes I look and go, I'm not on the rock. It's sand. And you can either try to keep packing that sand around you or you can say, I need to be on the rock. I need to trust in the gospel again today. I need to ask again today, what does the gospel say about this? So for us today, maybe for you this morning, you... You actually need to jump out of the boat and embrace this gospel for the first time. Maybe you've been checking out church for a while and checking out Jesus for a while and, and, and you need to, the, for the first time, say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you with my whole life. I've never done that. I've been doing the church thing. I've been hanging around the outside, but I mean, I've been stuck in this boat. and I've never taken that step of faith to say, I'm trusting you with everything. Or maybe this morning you've stepped out of the boat and you're walking in a storm right now. Keep trusting. Keep serving. Keep obeying. Keep, keep prayerfully seeking Jesus. Keep walking on the truth of the gospel today with your eyes on him. I mean, that's the fight. That's the fight in the midst of the storm is do you really believe who God is? That he's the king and not me. Do you, do you really believe about what God says about you in Christ? That, that he loves you, that he covers you, that he forgives you, that he protects you, that he includes you in the family, that the whole kingdom is yours, that your fear and your shame are already taken care of at the cross. 
As the worship team comes up this morning, as we close off, I've just got a couple questions to end with, and it's this. Maybe you'd ask yourself right now, what, what is it that I, that I worry about? What, what good reason do I have to worry today? I'd encourage you, actually name the fear, name the worry. If you're taking notes, maybe write it down. This is it. This is what I worry about. This is my fear. This is what brings doubt. What are the good reasons you have to worry? And, and as you think about those or write those down, ask yourself, man, why am I anxious about this? What is it that I want? What is it that I fear I'm losing in this? What, what do I not want to get? What is it underneath this fear that, I, that I'm looking for? What does the gospel say about this that I'm just not believing today? Here's the next question I want you to ask yourself is this. What better reason does God give me not to worry about this? Which, which one of these, these promises that Christ lays out for us, which, which one can you grab a hold of today? I mean, life's more than my worries. I mean, God cares for me. This is pointless. And I'm, I'm trying to pack sand underneath me, and it's not helping. I mean, I've got a greater priority. There's greater things to live for than the, the temporal now, but I've been called to e eternal purposes. Or, or maybe it's this, that this morning you grab a hold of this truth, that I have a great father. And here's what I want you to do this morning. Take the fear to the Lord. I mean, your father knows what you need. He knows the fear. And, and you can go to him with those things you're concerned about. I love how it says in, in his word, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. You can bring the fear to him. That this morning you can call out like Peter in the midst of the storm where you find yourself sinking today. You can call out and say, Lord, save me. And tell, it is, tell God what it is this morning that you're worried about. And then maybe this morning you would turn off the path of worry and fear and begin to trust Christ again. You turn to the king to be the place where you run now. Do you stand with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, there are so many good reasons to worry. But God, I pray that what we do with that fear, what we do with that anxiousness, God, I pray that rather than, than running from you this morning, rather than trying to grab a hold of other things to pack under us, that it doesn't work, that God, this morning we would run to you. We would see you again. We'd run into your arms, into your care, into your truth, that we would trust you. That we'd see that your promises are true today that we would see in the gospel that you took care of our greatest need, our greatest fear, that, that on the cross you dealt with our sin and our shame and you conquered death so that now, today, we can stand confidently knowing that you've brought us life and life eternal. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.